0: What's up, everyone? You're listening to the Agent Anonymous podcast presented by Simba. This is a storytelling podcast where real estate agents get to share the extremely real, funny, and terrifying deals they've been a part of. We keep the agent's identity hidden and distort the voices to allow the agents to have full anonymity and freedom telling their craziest stories. My name is Ryan Harris, and I will be moderating these stories. I'm an agent from Louisville, Kentucky at one of the top teams in the nation, and I hear crazy stories like these all the time, but they never get shared with the community. If you like what you hear, please rate the podcast and share it with a friend. If you have a story of your own, reach out directly using the contact info in the description. No story is too crazy. Now let's get into it.
1: My first real experience with real estate. I wasn't a realtor at that time, but I was a buyer. So I think it's not, noteworthy to tell the story anyway, even though I wasn't a realtor. So I um, I was starting to make money at my job, which again was not real estate at that time. And I figured that at that point of my life, I was like 27 years old. I had a pretty good income for my age. And I found out that lots of people who make money buy real estate. And I'm like, well, shit, I'm making money. I should buy real estate. So I started looking around. Uh, Wicker Park in Chicago which is a super hot area now but back then it was kind of a it was really really you know at best up and coming it was more you know kind of a a war zone of gangs Um, but I knew it it had potential I felt like I had a good eye for what it might become so I started looking around Wicker Park with this realtor and um, she found this property a two flat and she's like it just came on the market there's already a tenant there, so you don't have to worry about finding it, you know a renter so you can you know just right away start start to, you know benefit benefiting from uh, from cash flow. It'll be so great. and uh, it's never been for sale before. I go, oh, that's awesome and I'm so stupid at the time, and it was a VA loan that I was able to assume. VA loans are assumable. So with that, that meant I didn't have to put any money down. I bought it for one hundred and three thousand dollars. I think I paid some closing costs. And lo and behold, Three weeks later, it was my property. So we all shake hands at the closing. I'm all excited. I drive over there in my new Lexus, because, you know, back in the day, that was a car to have, and I got my my business suit on, and I'm looking all sweet, because I make sales calls all day. And I walk up, and uh, I knock on the door, which is a shitty looking front door, and there's like you know, bad draperies blowing out from the inside of the house. There's no screens. It's just a shitty looking property. But I'm like, I, I got it cheap. I didn't put anything down. I'm going to rent the hell out of it, make a bunch of money. Appreciation is going to come and I'm going to be freaking rich. So I knock on the door. Finally, the door flies open and it's, it's like two o'clock in the afternoon. This dude has got his shirt off, holding a bottle of malt liquor in his hands, covered in tats. And he says, what the fuck do you want? I go, oh, I go, well, um, I'm your new landlord, and I just closed on this building, and I just wanted to let you know that, you know, I'll be taking care of things from here on out, and and I'll come over every month for rent, and I usually like to get it on the first, but I'll give you a five-day, you know, grace period, so if you can't pay me till the fifth of the month, that's okay, too, and my name's, and he, he, he slaps my hand away, and he goes, fuck you, you motherfucker, he goes, this is my building, and if I ever see you again, I'm going to shoot you in the face, I go, shoot me he goes that's right I will shoot you in the face and he didn't have a gun on him not that I could see but he was uh, incredibly aggressive and I had every belief that he would get a gun and shoot me in the face or at least kick my ass in front of my new building at that moment so I, I got back in my car and he followed me to the car door screaming at me the entire time and I drove away and I called my wife and I said well you know, we closed, but I think we maybe caught like this kind of tenant problem. And um, he for a little while there, at, uh, I was afraid to go back because I didn't want to get shot in the face. So, so I told my dad, who was a cop uh, back in the day, uh, retired at that time, and they did a DEA stakeout. He called the DEA guys and they did a stakeout on that property. And at three o'clock in the morning, they took the big battering ram, smashed down the front door, handcuffed this guy to his bed and tore down all the walls and found 35 bags of Mexican heroin. And then they, they sent the guy to jail at 26 and Cal in Chicago, which is like the most notar- notorious jail. So I, um, I was like, well, great. But his name is Bobby. I won't say the last name, Bobby. I'm like, oh, so Bobby's gone. So now I'm going to get these guys in here, rehab the whole place. And I'll, I'll either flip it or I'll rent it. So I start with the rehab thing on the second floor where, where Bobby used to live, which is a disaster. And um, the lady on the first floor who I thought, all right, this would be cool. I'll have a nice renter with her. Well, she comes out and and she is, um, I guess it, it was obvious to me that she was a hooker and Bobby was her pimp. and And she told me that I couldn't come there because Bobby was gonna get out of jail soon. And when he did, he would shoot me. And she had scars on her face that the other neighbor told me um, when she was with her clients, the hooker clients, she tried to keep the money and not give it to Bobby, who was her pimp, and Bobby sliced her face. So she was like hooker looking, but very more scary than a normal hooker because she had scars all over her face because Bobby, Bobby was crazy. So I, I convinced her to move and she agreed to it. And I showed up while they were rehabbing Bobby's whole place and I showed up one day to get her, uh, Belinda, to move out. And, and uh, that was the day, Saturday, she's supposed to leave. And, and I go, all right, Belinda, you're supposed to be out of here. What are you doing? She goes, well, she goes, where's the truck? I go, well, you got to get the truck. She goes, no, I ain't getting the truck. You got to get the truck and you got to move me. Otherwise, I ain't going anywhere and I need moving expenses. So I had to pay her $500. I got a truck and I moved all her shit to get her out of my building, because if I didn't, I would have to pay the courts to get her evicted and go through all that process, so now finally Belinda's gone, Bobby's gone, I rehabbed the whole place, and uh, I'm ready to to rent it out, and the neighbor who kind of befriended me, maybe I think she felt sorry for me, because she was probably sure I would get shot in the face pretty soon, she called me and said, and, uh, you know, now, now that your building's all renovated, Bobby is out of jail and he's up in the building right now with a crowbar and he's he's smashing everything. And I go, oh, my God. So, so I call my tough guy father, ex-cop, and we go down there and um, my dad says, all right, uh, you go up. It doesn't look like he's here. So you go up and assess the damage. I'll sit down on the porch. And if you hear a gunshot, you come down because I'm going to need your help. And I go, okay, so I start walking up the stairs to Bobby's unit, and I go, hey, I go, what are you going to need my help doing? What are you talking about? He goes, because if I see Bobby Dixon, I'm going to shoot him in the face, and then we got to drag him in the house, so that way it'll be self-defense, because if they catch me shooting him when he's on the sidewalk, it's murder, and I don't want to go to jail, so you got to help me drag him in the house after I shoot him. I go, okay, (laughs) so I go upstairs I said he's wrecked everything, like my sink is smashed, the toilet smashed, the drywall's all trashed, and uh, thankfully he's gone, and I don't hear a gunshot, so I know my dad didn't have to shoot Bobby Dixon, I come back down, my dad's like, all right, lucky for him, he didn't show up, let's get the hell out of here, so we left, and I sold the property, I think I lost $3,000 after having bought it with nothing down and selling it, and about Fifteen years later, my realtor friend, who sold me that property, which by the way, the closet of that property right after I bought it was full of for sale signs from all the other realtors who tried to sell it. So when she told me it had never been for sale, that was all bullshit because it had been listed by like twenty people. And back in those days, I couldn't access the MLS or Redfin or anything to see how many times it had been on the market. So that was a big lie. Um, but anyway, twenty, you know, fifteen years later, now she's friendly with me and she sends me a listing and I think I sold it for $102,000 and it just hit the market. This is like two years ago. It hit the market for 675,000 and sold in a day. And I told my wife, I go, look at this is that property where that dude lived who was gonna shoot me in the face that I had to lose three grand with. She, and I go, it sold for 675. She goes, you know what? At least you didn't get shot in the face.
0: This podcast is presented by Simba, the only app in the real estate industry built to empower agents to become better entrepreneurs by combining customer relationship management with an agent's real time finances, giving them the clarity and control they deserve across their entire business. Simba is alleviating the stress related to finances for real estate agents. To learn more, visit GetSimba.com listed in the description.